0: Let the church say amen again. Happy Sabbath. Have you been blessed thus far? Are you ready to go higher? We're not finished yet. There's still much more to go. We are not finished yet. There's some very special things God wants to say to us, especially at this time right now. Brothers and sisters, I want you to pray. Pray that God will remove every distraction and that we will hear the voice of Jesus. Because if there's one thing, I guarantee you, Jesus will speak to us at this time. What we need to make sure is that we have ears to hear. I actually have a title the message that I'm going to be sharing with you at this time and that title is called the sealing work and its order the sealing work and its order if you are able to I'm going to invite you to kneel with me as we approach the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for the privilege and the opportunity to talk with you as one talks with a friend. You've already demonstrated your friendship to us, but you said greater love hath no man than this, than when a man lays down his life for his friends. In Jesus, he fulfilled his work, but Father, now it's our turn. We want to be a friend of Jesus. But Lord, teach us how to lay down our lives. Father, we come with all of our several needs. We ask you to please speak to our heart in a very marked manner. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. And open our eyes and help us to behold wondrous things out of your word. Father, may you take all of our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Help us, Father, to truly experience heart reform and to understand the sealing work and its order. We ask these things, dear God, in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And there is something that Solomon the wise man said under inspiration that we will see indeed is a reality as we look at how things are going amongst God's people and this world today. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, if you're there, please say amen. Amen. All right. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 9. In Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, it says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's how many things? No new thing Under the sun. History has a tendency to repeat itself. Think about it. The text literally told us the thing that hath been, that's the past, is that which shall be, that's the future. And that which is done, that's done presently, is that which shall be done, future. No new thing under the sun. And the reason why I found this text to be a very appropriate way to start the message is because there was an event, a story that took place under the sun that I believe God wants to make very clear to you and I today. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to talk to you straight. And talking straight does not mean that we lose our tact and our love in the midst of talking straight. But brothers and sisters, we're living in such a time in Earth's history that we need to hear a straight testimony. Is that right? Amen. Amen. Bible says in Genesis chapter four, a story that took place under the sun upon which there is no new thing. The Bible says in Genesis, the fourth chapter, want you see how God is going to reveal something to us. And what we got to do is when we read the text, we're going to try to see, Lord, where does this apply to me? Because brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you right now, A gospel that is not practical is a worthless gospel. A gospel that you cannot apply, a gospel that you cannot implement, a gospel, if all it does is make you an intellectual giant, but at the end of the day, you just went from an ignorant sinner to an intelligent sinner, then in the end, brothers and sisters, all sinners are going to end up in the same place anyhow, ignorant or intelligent. God's desire is to meet us as ignorant sinners and show us how we can become intelligent saints of God. The Bible says in Genesis, the fourth chapter, we're going to go ahead and start at verse one. We're going to read verses one to 10. I'll read verse one. You read verse two. I'll read verse three and the list goes on and we'll take it all the way down to verse 10. The Bible says in Genesis four and verse one. And Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and he came to ask to in the field. And Cain rose up Abel his brother and him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse ten. Let's read it together. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, brothers and sisters, there are several applications that we can pull from this text. But for the sake of time, I want to be very simple as I approach this topic. We have a situation back in the days where there are brothers, they were not friends, they were what? Brothers. And here it is, as they profess, as a matter of fact, they weren't professing. They were part of the same family, had the same father, had the same mother. And here it is, these two brothers, they were both worshipers. Is that right? Here goes these two brothers. They're both worshipers, but we find something that was absolutely distinct one from the other. One brother... In his worship approach to God, he resonated in his mind. I'm going to do exactly what God says. The other brother, he resonates in his mind. He says, you know what? I love God, too. But at the end of the day, there's some things God told me to do. He gave me some gifts, some talents, some abilities. And yes, I know what God says. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do most of what God says. But I'm just going to add a little bit of what I choose to do. In the process of time when it was time to make the offering, here goes these two brothers, they're both coming for worship, they're both coming for offerings, they both profess to acknowledge the same God. One does things exactly how God says it, the other one does it a little bit of what God says, but he adds a little bit of his own thing, what he wants to do. God looks at the offerings and he makes it plain. You, the one who did everything I told you to do, he says, I accept yours. You, the one who goes ahead and decides to give me some of me and some of Christ, I cannot accept it. And as God rejects Cain, Cain sees the other brother faithful. And simply because of the other brother's good works, this brother begins to persecute his brother to the point he kills him. And God says, what have you done? Your brother's blood is crying unto me. And the reason why I found that to be interesting is because in the beginning of time, we find that there were only two groups of worshipers. No new thing under the sun. As the world began, it had only two groups of worshipers. And that which hath been is that which shall be. And the Bible lets us know that in the very last moments of earth's history, the whole world is going to ball down once again to only two worshipers. Go to the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter. In Revelation chapter 13 we find some very interesting things that God wants us to understand. Brothers and sisters, I wanna make this very clear to you and I, just talking straight with you. Every single one of us in this room, man, woman, boy, girl, white, black, or anything in between, every single one of us are either going to be counted amongst one of two groups. One of two groups, that's it. And the Bible says in Revelation, the 13th chapter, starting at verse one, the Bible says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. Here goes John. He's given vision from Jesus. He's able to now understand some wonderful prophetic utterances. And the Bible says that I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now look at verse 3. The Bible says, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And how much of the world? All the world wandered after the beast. Sounds like a lot of people, doesn't it? Now, the reason why this is becoming very interesting is because now let's look at verse 11. In verse 11, we see that another beast now comes on the scene. But I want you to follow this because, brothers and sisters, we're going to do some serious heart searching today. In the book, Gospel Workers, page 100, we are told. That we are to guard jealously. Now, brothers and sisters, you ever been jealous about something? You ever been jealous about something? Now, when you're jealous about something, how do you behave? Sometimes you can get so protective that if something tries to pass your guard, you're almost ready to be violent towards it. Is that right? That's how you get when you're jealous about something. You want to protect it. You want to make sure no one else touches it. It is mine. Is that right? You know what Gospel Workers page 100 says? Guard jealously your time for prayer. The searching of the scriptures and the examination of one's heart. Do you guard it jealously? Inspiration says we are to do this daily. Do you set time every day to study, to pray, and then to meditate to make sure all is well between myself and my Savior? You know why you need to examine your heart? Because John just told us it looks almost like the whole world is going to wonder after that beast. The Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 11, it says, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes. Now, brothers and sisters, that word cause means force. And it says, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the reason why this becomes very significant is because all of those who wonder after the beast, the Bible just said they're a group of worshipers. That which hath been is that which shall be. No new thing under the sun. Worshipers who are going to come and worship the beast. Now, the reason why this gets more and more interesting is because you'll see in verse 15, talking more about the beast, it says that he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark. In their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Thus far, we just identified one of those two groups of worshipers. The Bible clearly shows in the last days that there is going to be a beast power that is going to link up with another beast power. And these are going to come together to force every individual on planet earth to worship their way. Now, John, when he sees this, he says, man, it looks almost like the whole world. Now, brothers and sisters, was John known to be the beloved? Is that right? John, the beloved. Who did he love? Jesus. Jesus. Was the beast power for Jesus or against him? So therefore, can you imagine what was going on in John's mind when God gave him the vision of what's getting ready to take place, and here goes Jesus speaking to John's heart, and Jesus is showing John that soon and very soon, it looks like almost everybody, including church people, are gonna wander after that beast and turn their backs on Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, think about it. How would you feel if you were John and you saw that vision? Would you feel happy or would you feel sad? You can imagine that John was probably thinking to himself, Lord, what has happened to your people and your movement? It seems like everybody is going to worship the beast. And this is why God said, John, I can't stop it there, because every time God gives a message to let us know about the horrible things to come, he always finishes the message with hope. And so it is that you can imagine John. John is there in Revelation 13's vision and he's seeing all these things getting ready to come to pass. And then here goes John thinking to himself, Lord, all the world. And then God says, John, hold on. It's not really the whole world. He says there will be a group that is going to stand against the beast and this is why god could not stop the inspiration at revelation 13 and therefore he gave john the inspiration of revelation 14 Amen. in the revelation of 14th chapter now watch this the bible says starting at verse 6 Here goes John. He sees this messenger that Jesus gives him a vision of. And the Bible says, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Here goes now an utterance of the three angels messages. Now, what's interesting is that the third angel's message says something that you and I need to pay attention to as we're looking at this issue of these groups of worshipers. We saw one group of worshipers are going to be those who are going to worship the beast and receive his mark. But now notice what the Bible says in Revelation 14, 9. Now, look at this. Revelation 14, 9. The Bible says, and the third angel, which angel? It goes on to tell us the completion of this message. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receives the mark of his name. Now, brothers and sisters, is the third angel's message or rather are the individuals who are warning people about not receiving the mark. Is that what the third angel's message is doing? That's certainly part of the work. Amen. Warn people do not receive or accept or take upon yourself this mark of this beast. Is that right? Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to be like God with you. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 1:18 that God says, come now, let us reason together. I'm going to reason with you. If this group of people are warning individuals not to receive the mark of the beast, would it not be sensible then that these individuals clearly don't have the mark of the beast? That, 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 that's almost... Elementary, right? Why in the world would you tell everybody don't receive the mark and then you end up getting it? That makes no sense. Obviously, their whole mission, their whole goal is to warn everybody not to receive something that they themselves have already rejected. Does that make sense? All right. Now, the reason why this is important is go up a few verses in that same chapter of Revelation 14. There's something significant that's mentioned about this in, these individuals who make up this, those who give the first, second, and third angels' message. Now, in verse one of Revelation 14, here's a clue as far as helping us to get a little bit of an identifying mark about who are these people that's going around giving this third angels' message. Anyhow, the Bible says in Revelation 14:1, "And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mount Zion." And with him, a hundred and who? Forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And the list goes on. and begins to describe all sorts of beautiful characteristics about these individuals who are called the hundred and forty four thousand. But what's also interesting is this is the same group of people that end up giving the herald of the first, second and third angels message. Are you following are you following? So here's my question. If these individuals who are worshipers, because even in the first angel's message, they're calling people to worship God. If these individuals don't have the mark, then what do they have? The seal. Let's go to Revelation seven. Stay with me, brothers and sisters, because I know how it is. You know, when you're in a room full of scholars, everybody starts feeling like, well, brother and lemon, this is elementary. Is it? We'll see in just a moment. As I said before, every car has to start at 30 before it gets to 60. Buckle up. Stick with me. Stay with me. The Bible says in Revelation, the seventh chapter, starting at verse one. It says, and after these things, I saw four angels holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Praise God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees till we have done what? sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Verse four. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And what was that? And then it goes on to say, and there were sealed. uh, How many? 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. My message is not so much to get into identifying points of the 144,000. One thing that we can clearly see is that same group in Revelation 14, That was heralding the third angel's message naturally is the same group we're reading about here in Revelation 7. Are you following? All right. So therefore, you got one group who represents a large number of people who are going to worship the beast and receive his mark. And then you have a smaller number that is going to have the seal of the living God. Now, brothers and sisters, pay attention. The Bible said in Revelation 14, 9, if any man worship the image, worship the beast and receive his mark in his horde is in his hand. What was going to happen to him? It says the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God poured out with out mixture, meaning that God says this will not be like times past. God says this is not going to be something where I'm going to go ahead and allow some condemnation or punishment or judgment, whatever words you want to use. And God is not saying that I'm going to mix it with mercy like I've done in the past. When God dealt with those in Egypt, brothers and sisters, there was mercy. When God dealt with various points in the Bible, you see God giving a judgment, but you also see mingled some mercy. But God says this time, those who receive this mark, God says, when I pour out my wrath upon them, it will be without mixture. This will be something that the mind cannot imagine the magnitude of experiencing God's wrath. I would not want this even for my enemy. And therefore, brothers and sisters, don't you think that if we have the love of Jesus, oh, we've been talking about it for so long. If we have the love of Jesus in our heart, wouldn't you look at your neighbors to the left and right? Wouldn't you look at your family members who know not this truth? Would you not look at all of those, even in our church, who are nominal? Only Seventh-day Adventists by name. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we think that as long as we stay in the building, We'll be all right. I have heard a joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Not the building. Amen. Sometimes we try to keep our youth in the church. We say, oh, let's just, let's just keep them in the church. And brothers and sisters, there is a dramatic difference between keeping a child in church and keeping a child in Jesus. Amen. 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 Drastic difference. In fact, I remember a story in the Bible about a brother who actually thought that being in the building was safety. And when the enemy began to pursue him, he ran to the temple. Not only that, he didn't just go in anywhere in the temple. The brother went right by the altar. (laughs) Enemy comes inside the temple next to the altar, pulls out the sword and finishes him in the temple by the altar. The building does not save anybody. Jesus saves. So therefore, brothers and sisters, don't you think that naturally on the minister's mind, it would be to show the people how to receive the seal rather than the mark. Don't you think that that would be clearly the message of the hour? Show the people how they can receive the seal of God. Because those who have the seal, they don't get the wrath of God. They get the blessings of God. Don't you think that that should clearly be the priority on the mind of the minister? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, brothers and sisters, here's my question. If you were to do a Bible search and try to find out what is a qualifier, where is the first step? What is it that I must do or be or whatever so that I can be counted amongst those who are sealed? What chapter did we read about those who are sealed? Revelation chapter seven. Is there somewhere within those four verses that we read that shows us the qualifier of those who actually receive the seal? Is it somewhere in the, t- in the verses? If We only read Revelation 7, 1 to 3. In those verses, we find out who gets the seal. There's a very special word that's used that you and I must become. What is it? Servants. Servant. Is that right? The Bible says, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have... Seal the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, brothers and sisters, that means that you and I cannot have an attitude where we're going to expect the minister to do all the work. That means that we cannot sit back and have an attitude where we live by this rule. You know, it's funny in the seven day Adventist church, you will find that in many respects we function like the corporate world. And in the corporate world, you will find, brothers and sisters, that there's a rule called 8020. In the corporate world, there's a rule called 80-20. What it means is simply this. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And often if we scan our churches, we find ourselves expecting pastors and elders typically to do the work while many of us sit back and just drop some change. Now, brothers and sisters, listen. It's amazing how we can take something that was designed for good and allow it to become a curse in our lives. You know, when I, when, I, when I examine Isaiah 28 and when it talks about those who shall teach knowledge and it says those who are weaned from the breast and drawn, drawn, weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You remember reading that in Isaiah 28? You know, brothers and sisters, milk is good and nourishing for babies. When the baby comes into the world, that breast milk, brothers and sisters, is designed to provide all the nourishment that child needs. It's almost a miracle what takes place. The mother can eat green spinach, feed the baby, give him white milk. When the baby defecates and goes to the bathroom, it's green. It seems like God, you know, he understands that the nutrients, the nutrition, it passes through. But you know what's interesting? That same milk was, that was designed to be the nourishment for the child, if that child grows to age 5 and 10 and 15, and if that child says, give me more milk, and all that child gets is milk, brothers and sisters, the same thing that was designed for their nourishment can now be the same instrument that causes their lack of nourishment. God never intended... For the returning of tithe and offerings to be your religion. And I remember this because when I was in the world in the industry, the hip hop industry, there were many people who was preaching and teaching and rapping for the devil. But at the same time, they would always draw some change in the church. And they felt like, oh, yes, this is it. This is my way of keeping some religion in my heart. But even worse, as we find in the church today, brothers and sisters, there are people who are pushing all of the responsibility on other folks and saying, you work, I'll just drop some change in. God loves your change, brothers and sisters. But don't be deceived to make your change your religion. God says, I don't want so much of your money, I want you. Now, follow me, brothers and sisters. The sermon hasn't started yet. Follow me, seriously, stick with me, stick with me. What God is trying to show us is that the only individuals who are going to receive the seal is you got to serve. You got to serve. We got to understand there's a role that you play. This is the reason why many of you have come out to the army Bible boot camp and several places because you want to be equipped so that you may serve. Amen? Amen. All right. Good, 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 good. Now. Here's the next question. I learned this as a father. I'm a father of four. I learned this. It is one thing to tell a child what to do. It is a whole different thing to show them how to do it. God clearly has said, I have called you to be a servant. But the question is, how do we serve? Now, brothers and sisters, before we talk about how to serve, I want to show you how not to serve. Go to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 10. In Second Corinthians, chapter 10 is imperative that we understand before we talk about how to serve. We want to make sure we understand how not to serve. The Bible says in Second Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And when you get there, please let me know by saying amen. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter now, notice what the Bible says in verse 12. The Bible says, remember, we're studying to make sure we do not make the mistake like many others have made when it comes to Christian service. The Bible says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or do what? Compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Why? But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are wise Are not wise. So often, sometimes when we say, all right, let's get ready and let's begin to serve. And we go ahead and instead of downloading information from the most holy place, we begin to look to the right and left. And sometimes we'll even look at places that constitute what the Bible calls Babylon. And we'll go ahead and compare ourselves to them and bring their style of worship into our church and call it service. God says, how could you do that? Many of these things take place. Why? Because we are comparing ourselves among ourselves. Do you know, brothers and sisters, today how many ministries are trying to mimic another man's ministry? Now, don't get me wrong, brothers and sisters. You'll always find with ministries that there'll be similarities. Amen. That's that's going to happen. But sometimes people are almost an exact replica of another man's ministry. In other words, the minister is nothing but a reflector of another man's thoughts. God says, I can't bless that kind of effort. We have to make sure that when we go forward and do the service of God, that we do not try to make the standard of service being a reflection of someone else. The Bible says, do not compare yourself among yourself, because when you do that, you're not wise. So therefore, when we talk about going forward in service, we're not talking about comparing ourselves among ourselves. And You know the reason why we have to pay attention to how we serve? You want to know why? Let me show you. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I did not get to the climax yet. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, pay attention, please. Pray in your hearts that God will make this thing plain to our hearts today. Bible says in Matthew 24. Watch this now. Stick with me, brothers and sisters. Matthew 24. Bible says in Matthew, the 24th chapter. Now, I want you to see this in verse 44. We find out something. Here's the reason why it is imperative that we understand how to serve. Look at what the Bible says. In Matthew 24, verse 44, it says, therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise. What servant Servant. interesting now? It says who who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that what servant "Servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily, I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Now, watch the transition. Verse 48. But and if that what kind of servant, evil Evil servant, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because in the earlier verse, we saw that the servant, whether wise or evil, they're both in God's household. Did you see it? Now watch this. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. That which hath been is that which shall be. Nothing new under the sun. It says, begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, Jesus understood that in the last days in his church, there's going to be two types of servants. Wise and evil. Some of us can serve, but be recognized by heaven as evil. Why do you think Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, many shall come and say, Lord, Lord, have we not, in summarization, served? Is that not what they're going to say? Oh, we did many wonderful words. We did this, we did that. Brothers and sisters, oh, man. The Bible tells us in the last days, wise servants, evil servants, both in God's church. This is why it is imperative to understand and to search our hearts. Lord, what kind of servant am I? You need to know. Now, go to the book of 1 John chapter 2 and let's find out something. We're about to find out about some servants. In fact, let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 2 first. Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, notice what the Bible says. We're going to go ahead and look at verses 5 to 8. Very familiar text, but we're going to consider it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. If you're there, please say amen. Amen. All right, watch this. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants us to think like him. Because Jesus knows the man who has the mind has the man. As a man thinks, so is he. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? A servant. And was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now. The Bible says Jesus was a servant. Amen. Amen. Now go to first John chapter two. First John chapter two. You know, when the Bible talks about Enoch walking with God, remember when the Bible says, "Enoch walked with God? Amen. When it says he walked with God, he had oneness with God. He was like God. That's why God was able to take him up. God never has a problem taking anybody to heaven that's like him. Never has a problem with it. The only people God finds it to be a risk is when we don't reflect that lovely image. Now in First John chapter two, here's something interesting. The Bible says... In verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to, what's that word? Walk even as he walked. Does that mean that if Jesus walked like this, that we ought to walk like that? Is that what it meant? No, it's talking about the same lifestyle, the same character, the same ways of Christ should be ours. Amen? And Jesus, the Bible says, was a servant. Now, here's my question. How did Jesus serve? Talk to me. Give me some examples of Christ serving. He healed people. Amen. Talk to me. He was a teacher. He washed people's feet. Talk to me. Come on. He fed people, right? Talk to me again. What else did he do? He preached, he teached, he healed. He did all sorts of wonderful works. Amen. Desire of Ages. Page 74. Jesus is our example. Father in heaven, I pray to God that you will help our hearts and our minds to receive what you are about to show us. Help every movement, Lord God, to stop. Let nothing be done, Lord, that would cause a distraction. Help our minds, Lord, to please see what you're trying to say to us We want your seal, but we must understand in the sealing work, there's an order. Open our eyes, we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus is our example. There are many, there are how much? There are many who dwell with interest upon the period of his public ministry. I asked you a question, how did Jesus serve? You said he taught, you said he healed, you said he washed people's feet. All of that related to his public ministry. Jesus is our example. There are many who dwell with interest upon the period of his public ministry while they pass unnoticed the teachings of his early years but it is in his home life, his what? That he is the pattern for all children and youth, brothers and sisters, I must tell you, and for adults. Often, when we think about being like Jesus, we focus on public ministry. Was Jesus a servant? Is he our pattern? Should we walk as he walked? Brothers and sisters, before Jesus served in the community, he first mastered serving in the home. This is why he was so powerful in serving in the home for 30 years that it only took three and a half to finish the work. Since 1844, Christ left the holy place to the most holy place. You think that he wanted to stay there for 166 years? We are the ones who's holding him up. And the reason why is because many of us as ministers and ministries, we are working backwards, brothers and sisters trying to get the brethren right and our homes are messed up. Now, watch this. You see, sometimes people say, brother, you're just being creative with the word. No, I'm not. I'm just reading. Brothers and sisters, by the way, If anybody ever says, now I'm not saying people, you know, I do get people who say this, people I'm sure say this to Pastor Myers, Brother Gregory, and many others, but I'm going to let you know my secret. You want to know my secret right now to anything that I've understood? Anything that, you know, people come, oh, we're blessed, we're blessed. Praise the Lord. Brothers, you want to know my secret? You want to know my secret of how I learned anything that you might have found value in? I've learned to pick up these little red books, it's not even so mystical. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is behind everything that we learn. But sometimes we almost can give an impression, if we're not careful, that it's kind of like there's this, oh, where we, we get on the knees and light comes around us, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God just goes, Whoosh, and just puts stuff in our heads, and we say, ah. Wow. Now, don't get me wrong. I definitely had some flash moments. I remember times washing dishes, cleaning, you know, doing basic things, and all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, and it connects. That does happen. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you the truth. The majority of the great information I found is reading books like Patriarchs and Prophets, Prophets and Kings, Desire of Ages, Acts of the Apostles, Great Controversy, Manuscript Releases, 1888 Messages, t- t- uh, Testimonies from Ministers, Workers, go- Minister, Gospel Workers, Brothers and Sisters, Testimonies to the Church, Volumes 1 through 9. It's these wonderful books. That if we just read them, you'll find the same wisdom in it. The home life. Now, where did I get this from? I got it from volume five of the testimonies to the church. Page 214. Listen to this solemn statement. This thing brought me to my knees. I'm serious. It says in volume five of the testimonies to the church. Not all who profess to keep the Sabbath will be sealed. I like that. That's sobering. Because sometimes we think all I got to do is stop doing a bunch of stuff for 24 hours and therefore I got the seal. Volume five of the testimony to the church, page 214. It says not all who profess to keep the Sabbath will be sealed. There are many even among those who teach the truth. So that means that ministers are included in this. Many of those who teach the truth to others who will not receive the seal of God in their foreheads. Is not this whole study talking about how we receive the seal? Now, brothers and sisters, please listen to this. Sometimes people say, well, maybe these folks don't get the seal because they didn't understand righteousness by faith. They didn't understand our 1888 message. Now, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. I believe there's been a lot of power demonstrated at this conference. And I believe God brought some serious giants in here. And I'm excluding myself from that. I'm serious. Every time I, I, told, I told Pastor Meyer this years ago, I told him, I said, listen, bro, I don't know how in the world you put these texts together. I could never do what he does. I mean, I just say in my mind, I said, I don't know if I could put it together like that. And I told him that. And as I listen to how he connects, I'm just like, man, that's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. Brother Gregory. oh, man, i was so blessed. Daniel 12, pop, 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 just breaking the verses down. But here's what I believe. Brother Mirai takes a lot of spirit, brother, to give, give a straight testimony like what was given. Thank God it was saturated with the love of Jesus. Amen. That's why the results showed as it did. But brothers and sisters, I believe if you combined Ivor Myers, Peter Gregory, Alvin Murad Doug Batchelor, Don McIntosh, Dwayne Lemon if you choose, and you package us all together, I question if our knowledge base could touch the knowledge base of men like A.T. Jones and mm. Wagner. You take your best evangelists in the Adventist church today, and if you combine them and put them in a melting pot together, I wonder if they could touch and reach souls like DM Kenwright could. If I could have sat at the feet of these men and learned how in the world do you take the word and break it down like that? Do you know what's so sad? All of them. Second resurrection. There are many even among those who teach the truth to others who will not receive the seal of God in their foreheads. They had the light of truth. So it wasn't that they lacked the light of truth. They had it, she says. It says they knew their master's will. So it wasn't that they did not understand the master's will. They knew it. Oh, brethren, listen to what the next sentence says. It says they understood every point of our faith. You could not teach them anything. They knew it. It wasn't that they needed a greater understanding of how to study the Bible. It was not that they needed to understand prayer. They understood every point of our faith. Why would they not receive the seal then? I continue. But they had not corresponding works. They did not live up to the light of all that knowledge they had in their head. Now, I said, Lord, what were the works that they did not have corresponding? God said, read just a couple of sentences down. Look at what it says. It says, these who were so familiar with prophecy and the treasures of divine wisdom should have acted their faith. They should have commanded their households. I did not put that there. That was there before I was born. They should have commanded their households after them. That by a well-ordered family, they might present to the world the influence of the truth upon the human heart. Listen, folks, I can relate to you. I know how it is to sit inside of a congregation sometimes and you're sitting back and you're trying to, you know, get a message. And sometimes you're depending on the speaker and who you like. You're ready, like, oh, he's about to break something down deep. And then all of a sudden you come with those simple fundamentals. Okay, we already know that, you know, seal of God, mark of the beast. We already know that we, we need to be servants. We already know that. But brothers and sisters, did you know this? Did you know that the sealing work has an order? Before you serve outside, you got to first learn how to serve inside. That's the order. God is a God of order. And brothers and sisters, the great problem that many of us have today is that while we can put together phenomenal letters, while we can go ahead and put together some of the best sermons and we can break down truth, brothers and sisters, if your home's messed up, your ministry's messed up. And if you ever get to a point that you can't do both, You know how many people would not dare give up their ministries, no matter how messed up their homes are? I beg God every day, Father, let me never get so attached to this ministry that you have given to us. That if my home's not right, that I'm not prepared to give that up, that I can get this ministry right first. I plead with God for that. Because, Brother Mariah, one thing you didn't put on your list last night, some of our ministries are our idols. Some of our ministries are our idols. Can you imagine that serving Jesus in the name of self? Devilish deception. Done all day long. Brothers and sisters, the Adventist home is in trouble. Have you noticed? You got husbands and wives today that are like ships passing through the night. Oh, they might occupy the same household, but brothers and sisters, do they commune with one another? Today, we have parents that think that, oh, the way that we have recreation with our children is we'll take them somewhere and let them go play. Volume one of the testimony says that we need to learn to be children with our children. This is why sometimes our children link to other people so quickly because they have not found a friend neither in Jesus or mommy or daddy. I've learned, brothers and sisters. That I need to talk to my children and minister to my children to the point that as it relates to earth, that they can say, Daddy is the greatest man on earth. I'm serious. You got to get to that point that as it relates to earth, that they can look at Daddy, they can look at Mommy, and they can say they are the greatest people that I've ever seen. I want to be like them when I grow up. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The great problem today, brothers and sisters, is we have homes that are so messed up. Do you know somebody could actually leave this conference today, understand the Bible better, understand prayer better, and still harbor bitterness, anger, and resentment towards their own spouse, relatives, or even their children or parents? Can you imagine that? And Jesus says, as you forgive, so shall I forgive. Now, brothers and sisters, in volume seven of the Testimonies to the Church, page 62, we're told that we have come to the point in time that every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. Is that right? You'll see the connection in a second. Every member, every member should take hold of it. Does that include ministers? Ministers are not called to have a medical missionary on their team. Ministers are called to be medical missionaries. Is that right? So whether minister or those in the pew, all of us are called to be medical missionaries. Amen. Now, medical missionaries are taught. Ascertain the cause of a problem. In other words, we are not taught to treat symptoms. We're taught to ascertain causes. Is that right? You see, brothers and sisters, we have to understand Proverbs 26.2 says, the curse causeless shall not come. A curse never comes without a cause being there as the foundation. Job 29.16 says, the cause which I knew not, I searched it out. So therefore, we are to search out the cause when a problem comes. Is that right? We are not to limit that to just health problems. That principle should reside in every dynamic of what makes up human life. So, when you see the Adventist home going down the down spiral, God naturally wants us to ask the question, What's the cause? Are you following? Would you like to know what the cause is of why so many of our homes are messed up right now? Now, you know what's so beautiful? I also found out this. In my medical missionary training, I found out something the cure is typically in the cause. Kill two birds with one stone, brothers and sisters. The cure is in the cause. So once you ascertain the cause, you just found out your cure. Adventist Home, page 179. The cause, that's how it starts the sentence. The cause of division and discord in families and in the church. You ready to find out what it is? It's almost too simple. You know, a lot of simple things have been presented all throughout here. I love simplicity because that means anybody can do it. The cause of division and discord in families and in the church is separation from Christ. Period. Did you catch that? Separation from Christ. To come near to Christ is to come near to one another. The secret, now brothers and sisters, I like secrets. The secret of true unity in the church and in the family is not diplomacy, not management, not a superhuman effort to overcome difficulties, though there will be much of this to do, but union with Christ. I like how she puts this. Picture a large circle. Try to picture that in your mind's eye. Picture a large circle. This is what she says. Picture a large circle from the edge of which are many lines all running to the center. Are you following? The nearer these lines approach the center, the nearer they are to one another. Thus it is in the Christian life, the closer we come to Christ, the nearer we shall be to one another. God is glorified as his people unite in harmonious action. You see, brothers and sisters, God says when you learn to get it right in the home, husbands, when we learn to serve our wives as Christ served the church, When the wife learns to serve the husband as the church served their master Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you understand that when we begin to have love one to another, you know, we talk so much about heaven. You know, we sing this song called When We All Get to Heaven. You remember that song? We sing the song When We All Get to Heaven and we just seem to have forgotten that we can have a little heaven right now. Adventist page 15. Home should be made all that the word implies. It should be a little heaven upon earth. A place where the affections are cultivated instead of being studiously repressed. Our happiness depends upon this cultivation of love, sympathy, and true courtesy to one another. There's a lot of neglect. Brothers and sisters, woe be unto me. If I spend more time ladies trying to teach you the truth and I neglect to teach my wife the truth. Woe be unto me. Woe be unto any wife that would spend her time trying to educate a bunch of men on principles of truth and doesn't even know or make sure that her own husband understands the principles of truth. Woe be unto me if I have a whole children's ministry or I'm in charge of a children's department and I'm trying to help kids know Jesus and my own children act like a bunch of devils. Brothers and sisters, do you know that child guidance says In page 533, parents, above everything, take care of your children upon the Sabbath. It says, do not suffer them to violate God's holy day by playing in the house or out of doors. You may just as well break the Sabbath yourselves as to let your children do it. And when you suffer your children to wander about and suffer them to play on the Sabbath, God looks upon you as Sabbath breakers. Child guidance, 533. Brothers and sisters, we got to understand. We got to get it right with our kids. We have to get it right. My, My wife and I, and brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you from the heart. My wife and I, we made mistakes. We allowed our children at times to be by themselves. And every single time they did it, we found them in some type of trouble. Every single time. And here it is. We're ready to say, why didn't you? Why didn't you? And then God throws out all those quotes from inspiration. And God says, why weren't your children with you? You were so busy answering people's questions and ministering to everybody else and you let your children slide. God says, that's your fault. I look at you as a Sabbath breaker. The sealing work has an order. If we're going to serve, we know the only people who get the seal are the servants. And if we're going to serve, we have to first learn how to serve in the home before we can serve out in the public. Amen. And brothers and sisters, there's nothing more powerful than when people can see the reflection of the minister's words in the children and in the wife. Nothing more powerful than that. Literally, nothing. The prophet says that that will do more than thousands of sermons could ever do. And you know what's so amazing? Some people say, I didn't grow up in a home like that. Well, you know what? Neither did I. That's my home. That's my old home in Hollis, Queens, New York. I, didn't li- I, did, not, I did not have a relationship with Jesus. My parents did not know Jesus. I grew up in a Christless home, and as a result of growing up in a Christless home, I did the things that non-Christians do, which included dishonoring my father and my mother. Eventually, brothers and sisters, you get to a point that you get to high school, and I went to Springfield Gardens High School. Started going out there, and I learned how to practice sin like a professional. I started to learn everything that I could learn. Smoking this and drinking that and doing all sorts of foul and illicit behaviors. And Brothers and sisters got so, so bad. And all I really was looking for was a bunch of love. I was just trying to be a guy that was trying to get some attention. Listen, let me tell you, I love working with young people. I've never had a problem working with young people. Never. You know why? Because there's a lot of relatability. I understand a lot of the stuff that brothers go through and sisters go through nowadays. We're looking for love, And because we didn't get it in one place, we typically will try to find it in another. Bottom line. Bottom line. I started to do it. And guess what my outlet was? My outlet was dancing. That's literally a picture of me right there in the air. (laughs) Found it through dancing. I tried. I went to to high school, started to dance, and I started to go ahead and get people to admire me, and it gave me attention. It gave me the love that I was looking for. And I started linking up with some bad brothers. Over a period of time, I started dancing, doing all these different things just to try to get some attention, try to get some love. Was not a child of God in the least and was not a good son. My mother told my wife, she told my wife one time, she said, Dwayne was a demon. (laughs) You know what? I sat back and my wife looked at me and I was like. I used to get my brothers in trouble. I mean, I did did horrible stuff, horrible stuff. I I mean, just a shame to mention it. Brothers, I did some horrible stuff. I was a demon. And this was my demonic activity. That was my outlet. Started to do all my dancing and all this stuff to try to get around. Ultimately, I got myself in trouble in school, became a high school dropout. People were calling my house threatening to kill me. Couldn't go back to school, had to find a way to start making some money. I said, the only thing I know how to do is dance. So therefore, I started dancing and ultimately, I started working with a lot of people. Started working with people like Brandy, Queen Latifah, Heavy D, Wu-Tang Clan, all these groups. Started dancing with them, was on tour with them. We would start doing music videos, everything together. I became a celebrity. Making sick money. Brothers and sisters, I made more money than people, I made more money in a month than most people would make in a year. And with an undisciplined mind, can you imagine what you would do with stuff like that? 30, $40,000, that was what was made in a month. And that was my lifestyle. Brothers and sisters, it was only through a period of experiences that ultimately, after my nephew died, my nephew got killed. Oh yeah, I started doing Coca-Cola and Sprite commercials. There was a program called New York Undercover, and they had me come on as an actor. Literally, I was building up my dancing career, choreography career, and acting. Everything deeply engrossed in that black hole, Brother Myers. And as I was in there doing all this stuff, it was swallowing me up, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you the truth. I thought I was the man. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, through a series of experiences, God allowed my face to fall so flat on the ground that one day I was crying out for Jesus. I wanted to know who he was. It was through a tragic incident. My nephew Charlie was killed. And then it was through that incident, as he was killed in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, and as I was looking at his coffin, I couldn't even look at him because the bullet holes did so much damage to his head that they couldn't even have an open casket funeral. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm just talking to the casket, but he, of course, he's not answering me. And brothers and sisters, through a series of experiences, one day, I come to know Jesus. Amen. A friend of mine came to the house, gave me a flyer that she found on the street. It was a meeting 15 minutes away by a Seventh-day Adventist church. Went down to that church, brothers and sisters, heard this brother preach the word of God. I mean, the brother, I was really into black awareness and all that stuff. I was really into Malcolm X and all these different things. So therefore, God met me where I was. Literally, the minister looked just like Malcolm X. I just looked at the fly. I said, man, this brother just looks deep. I said, I'm going. I'm going. Because I was hungry. I was starving for it. I said, nah, I'm going. I went down and heard this man break down the Bible like I've never heard it before. Christian group. I said, what in the world is I never heard this before. I gave my heart to Jesus 19 years ago. Amen. I went to my friend Damien, the brother I used to dance with, party with. I said, D, you got to hear this message, man. D said, what, what, what? you know, going to tell me about it. And here it is. We started studying. Damien said, I'm in. He got baptized. Me and Damien, we were literally like modern day Elijah, Elisha, just hitting the streets of Queens, New York, literally going to doors, boom, 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 and just sharing Bible truth with people. We'd go to subways and be like, you know what the mark of the beast is? They would say, no. I said, how do you know you don't have it? (laughs) Look at what the Bible says. We were on fire. We were blazing the streets. I'm serious. We were on fire. One day, my friend Damien said, hey, man, I'm bringing a young lady to the Bible study tonight. I said, okay, great. And you know who he brought? My wife. wife. (laughs) She said hi. I said hi. We studied. After a period of time, she got baptized. Studied with her sister. She got baptized. Studied with her brother. He got baptized. And we just we just started going crazy with this thing. I mean, we were all over the place. Ultimately, we got married. We realized, I told my wife, I said, two years, and then we'll have children. She decided two months. <laughs> <laughs> and then as she had one baby, and then the following year, six months after the first child was born, another baby. And then six months after that child was born, another baby. And six months after that child was born, another baby. In four years, my precious wife was pregnant pregnant for four years. And then we had our four children. And we started looking around. We said, listen, we can't raise our children here in these rough cities of New York. That's where we're from, New York. And I was looking at that. I said, man, I can't, I can't do all this. You know, I mean, it was very hard. And, and, and you know, we decided to homeschool because we didn't want our children in public school. Amen. We said, no, nah, we're not going to give them." money. You know, brothers, it's amazing. Sometimes we will actually do things like if, if somebody were to say to you, hey, give me every penny in your bank account and I will invest it and there'll be a 50% chance that I'll double your money and a 50% chance that you'll lose it. How many of us would take that risk? (laughs) Nobody, right? Very few. What if somebody came and said, listen, give me all the money in your bank account, I'll give you, there's a 70% chance that you'll double your money, but there's a 30% chance you'll lose everything. How many of you would do that investment? Hardly any of us, right? You know, brothers and sisters, if we search our hearts careful enough, do you know we love our money more than our children? We won't even take a 50-50 or 70-30 chance with our money, but when we send our kids in an environment where the whole system is designed to take the mind off of Christ, it's more than even a 50-50 risk. And if the truth be told, brothers and sisters, we said, no, 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 homeschool, therefore I had to work, I started to work, we moved, we moved to Georgia, we moved into a little city, And brothers and sisters, when we moved to that little city, we knew about a little message called country living. We knew that the Lord was saying, get out of the city into the countries because we knew that there was all sorts of problems in the cities. And it's terribly challenging to raise children there and keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Not impossible, but 10 times harder. And so it is, brothers and sisters, that over time, after an incident took place where a party took place next door to my house and somebody took a gun, shot it right in front of our house. And when we moved into our neighborhood, it was a nice one. But it became corrupted very quickly. I said, that's it, we're going out by faith. Put that for sale sign, and brothers and sisters, I saw the Red Sea part. And the Lord put us in our country home. We were able to go out there in the country, and I discovered that country living is not so much about simply avoiding the various dangers in life, but country living is really designed to teach you faith in God. Nature is God's second book. It is a wonderful way to teach us Bible truth and simplifying the life. One way that I started to learn this, we started to go ahead and heat our house through wood. Rather than going ahead and just get a convenient little toot, you know, HVAC type thing. And I'm not knocking anybody who does that, but that's what we did. We started chopping, but you know what it did? It gave me and my boys some of the most beautiful quality time together. We would go down to the end of the trail and we'd start cutting down trees and chopping. I never cut no tree. I'm from New York. <laughs> I never cut a tree. So it was a brand new experience for me. Man, I'm just chopping it down. We started to go ahead and develop a garden. You see that right there? Do you see those twigs? Do you know in Third Selected Messages, there's a little method that an angel showed Ellen White about how to plant fruit trees? We did that. That is three months after the tree was put in the ground. Now check it out. You know what the Lord said to me as soon as I saw my my backyard is a powerful ministry. Seriously, ministers. I looked at those fruits and immediately early writings came to my mind where Ellen White says what many have learned in years. God's people will learn in months and bear fruit. The garden started to minister to me. The garden. Huh? We ended up having a little area called that's our trail. Take that trail ever so often. We go down the trail just to take a nice walk, or we ride our bikes and we just kind of zoom down the trail for some nice recreation. Not recreation, but recreation. Amen. Start going down that trail, brothers and sisters. And then when you get down at the end of the trail, there's a little area that we call our sanctuary. We just go there and it's quiet. It's just quiet. You can hear the voice of God speaking to you. And God began to speak so profoundly. He started showing me, son. You never got your home right as it relates to your parents. You were a demon to your parents. Why don't you start learning how to be an angel to them? I started to go back. I ministered to my mother. And brothers and sisters, I was able to apologize to my mother and to my father for being such a demon. And I told them, I said, by God's grace, I want to be an angel for the last moments of your life. Brothers and sisters, do you know my mother? She said there's only one man on earth that she would ever take religious instruction from. You know who that was? Her son. I remember when my mother was breathing her last breath, and I was on the phone with her. And I said, Mom, I said, you can go to sleep now. I said, I'll be okay. I'm her only son. I'm the youngest of eight, but I'm the only one born through my mother. I said, Mom, you can go to sleep. It's all right. I said, I'll see you in the morning. I said, do you hear me, Mom? And her last words to me was, yes, Dwayne, yes, Dwayne. She died the following day, went to sleep. My father's debilitated, he's sick. And I was able to go to him, try to visit him, minister him to any way that I can. You know, the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. There was no way I could try to minister to the world I didn't even minister to my own parents. You know, some of us, we need to get things right with our parents. Maybe some of us have been demons to our parents. And you may say, well, I'm out of my house. I live on my own. But yes, brothers and sisters, you can still go back to your parents and apologize. You can let them know from this day forward, by God's grace, I want to be an angel to my parents. Husbands and wives, you got all sorts of issues. God says, draw close to me. And as you're both coming closer to me, you'll learn better how to overcome your difficulties. Brothers and sisters, if we can give our hearts to Jesus in such a real way that every choice we make in life is guided and directed by his word and his spirit. If we could get our homes right and learn to love wife, husband and child and siblings. And you know what God can do after a while? God could bring so much healing into our home that this time we can be a real family ministry. Amen. A ministry where husband, wife, children, all work together for the honor and glory of God. Amen. We are not a perfect family. We don't profess that. We've given our hearts to Jesus. And there's more of Jesus we would learn. I love learning more how to love my wife. Love it. It's good education, true education. We got to learn how to love one another, brothers and sisters. The mark of the beast is coming. No question about it. We can't stop it no matter how hard we tried. But what we can do is we can be ready for it. And God says that there's a seal that I want to put on you that's going to keep you during these troublesome times. But the only way I can do it, God says, you got to first learn how to serve in the home so that you may faithfully serve outside of it. I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice and my appeal is very specific. If you realize that you have been serving God, but perhaps you realize you've been a bit out of order. And today you're saying, Lord, I don't want to work out of order anymore. You know, some wives have become so unlovable. Some husbands have become so unlovable. Some children, brothers and sisters, are so unlovable. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying, that's okay. Let me love them through you. Let me do it. So even though you might look and see mountains before you, I call you to behold the Lamb of God that can take away even the mountains in your life. If you realize you've been in ministry, you've been doing the work of God, you've been trying to serve, but you can honestly search your heart and say, Lord, you know what? I've been serving out of order. And by your grace, I wanna get it right today. If that's your desire, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. You've been serving out of order. And you're saying, Lord, I wanna serve in order. I wanna do it in order. You know, God needs some people, brothers and sisters, who can stay seated. God needs somebody who can stay seated because that tells us that it's real what we're talking about. Because God is no respecter of persons. If he can do it for one, he can do it for anybody. But if you know you've been out of order. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, we could have left this place. We could have left this place thinking we were ready to just receive the seal of God. And in the end, we would have been lost. Thank God for his truth. Amen. Truth makes people free. Amen. Let us seal our decisions. I pray that husbands and wives and families get together, talk to each other sometime today, talk to each other, pray with each other about how we can better serve each other In our homes. Amen. Amen. We're praying. Loving father. We are so grateful Lord. For the blessed hope we have in Jesus. You showed us. The cause of our challenges. Separation from Christ. But in that cause. You showed us the cure. Union with Christ. And father we pray that as we, we, we unite with thee that you will help us, Lord God, to know how to love each other as Christians in our hearts. Help us, dear God, that as we are preparing for the ultimate heaven, give us, Lord, just a taste of heaven on earth and help us to have established Christian homes. Bless your people. Thank you so much, Lord, for bringing this truth to light. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.